Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical and joyful. Today's show is on the finer things, a conversation about the finer things in life, those small but exquisite pleasures such as favourite foods, fine drinks or an excellent book that make life a little bit more amazing. Is there space in life for luxuries like this in a Catholic life when so many people don't have the same privileges? I'm your host, mm-hmm. Peter Holmes, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Galliott, artist, resident geek, and a good friend. All of those things that you've listed under me, Peter, of course, part of the finer things in life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter Rosengren, editor of the Catholic Weekly and also a good friend. Welcome, Peter. Glad to be here, Peter, and you too, Box. Before we get started, just a reminder that if you like the show, you should subscribe on your podcast app. Let's get into it. Some, What do we mean by finer things? Now, let's start with food because that's one that almost everyone agrees with. They might disagree on what sort of food, but what is the finer things? And what do we mean by the finer things? So rather than just eating McDonald's, which will not appear on this list, <laughs> um, the finer things, those special <laughs> treats, those special treats. Although my children seem to think that fries, McDonald's fries, would appear on this list, but they're anyway. pretty good. They are. <laughs> they're pretty good. They are pretty good. <laughs> we have a, a descent already in yeah. terms of McDonald's. Bring no, on. McDonald's may not appear on this final things list. Um, it depends. I mean, I'm quite happy to eat quite mundane things in most things, and and we shop at Aldi, and you know, I'm quite happy to buy the the name brands of almost everything. But as I was saying just before we come on. Just don't buy me a cheap whiskey. I won't drink it because they're, they're, or a coffee, a cheap coffee. That's just not going to cut it for me. Mm-hmm. What about you, Peter? Do you have a particular? What's your poison, as they say? Well, uh, my poison is um, is rum, and uh, you know I've come to the conclusion that the pirates of the Caribbean were not the brightest group of individuals you've ever <laughs> you're ever likely to encounter. Because I, I think none of them had a career that lasted more than two or three years before they were caught and very severely dealt with or became um, uh, representatives of his majesty. But uh, right. rum was the one smart thing that they hit on, as far as I can figure out. <laughs> so is there, is, there a particular, is there a good kind of rum or is the, you know, do you have to spend a lot of money to get a decent rum? It's just like scotch or any of the other. Um, right. So the more you pay, the, more, the better liquors. it gets. I think so. And I think... Uh, I think good rum comes from Cuba and the the Caribbean and Jamaica and so on. But I think they make good good rum as made in Australia. It's it's from all over the world, and I would not be surprised if the Japanese and the Koreans and people that we don't normally associate with that um, are actually producing right. exceptional. Um, I haven't tried any, but I think they would be perfectly capable of producing exceptional rums. Since we're talking about alcohol at this point, the first thing we need to say is. Go back and listen to our episode on addiction, those people who are listening, <laughs> just to yeah. the dangers of alcohol. When we're talking about enjoying the finer things, we're he- talking about enjoying them in moderation. However, there does seem to be a sweet spot with um, buying alcohol, a kind of a, a point at which if you spend much more money, you're not getting value for money. So in mm-hmm. for, for my money in, in whiskey, I would be not tr- – I mean, I could – happily spend anywhere between 80 and 150 dollars on a whiskey but if you go much over about 130 the money's more or less not getting you know you're not getting bang for buck there so mm-hmm. you can buy a 350 dollar whiskey and it doesn't taste a whole lot better 
than a $120 whiskey. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, one of my hobbies is photography, and I'm the same. I've got a, um, I've got a couple of uh, cameras which are sort of basically ha- uh, handmade. They're called it's, – it's a German company that produces them called Leica. And, right. And um, they're very iconic, you know, in terms yes. of the world of photography. But I, I could not afford a brand new Leica camera today. You, you right. Pay just for the body alone, you'd pay seven, eight thousand dollars, and then per lens. That's ridiculous. Um, you, you're paying th- uh, up to you know three to ten thousand dollars per lens, and I, you know, I'm amazed that I've got a couple of them. And there's a very interesting story associated with the provenance of the, of the older of the pair, <laughs> but. Um, Focusing on the finer things, Peter, is it a is it an exquisite pleasure to use such a machine? I think it's a question of balance. It's like everything we're talking about, uh, whether it's food, alcohol, books, anything. You know, people are different. They all have different preferences. Yep. I'm not particularly keen on that keen on whiskey. I prefer rum. I like whiskey, but you know, right. your drink is scotch. My drink is rum, and box. Um, what's your drink box? You. Come on, you got to join in. I, I, I used to love a lot of those uh, heavy, heavier drinks, the spirits and stuff. But I've, uh, yeah. I've had to dial it back down to beer. <laughs> the beer thing—that's not an area where you don't, where you just have a generic brand either. Because I mean, I was, I was involved in brewing beer when I was a lot younger, and mm. I know, believe me, I know how bad beer can be when you mess it up. Because um, <laughs> I've had to drink some of my own batches. Oh, it was horrible. But there is there's a vast difference between, for example, the Foster's Lager that they, that we tell the rest of the world that we drink. We know we don't, by the way, for those who are listening <laughs> no, from overseas. Anymore. We used to, not anymore. And or let's the, what I grew up on. People around me were drinking VB, which and there, there's a vast difference between that and some of the more boutique beers which are out there. And um, mostly, I'd have to say, if I have a beer in the summer. It's not VB. I'll, I'll just say that much. Now, it's not that I'm completely beer snob because I'm not. I'll drink what people give me, but yeah. it's a it's very big difference there in beer between I've the. Got to the my my stepdad purchased a, a coffee beer for me while I was visiting Perth one year, and I don't think I'd ever go back. <laughs> to the, <laughs> the, that beer was. I, I just beer. don't think it was a good idea. Um, well, our good friends at the Armchair Catholic have a whole episode called Beer Wars where they argue about whether or not you, so you should, as a Catholic, drink craft beer or you can just take the, the lowest sort of common denominator. Yeah. And I think I agree with, with um, I think it was Rich Bud who said, no, no, Catholics are, you know, we should enjoy the goodness of creation and not have to, you know, suck something out of the gutter. We should actually yeah. go for the finer things. What about the whole coffee and tea thing? I mean, a lot of people say tea is tea, coffee's coffee. What what are you talking about? But, you know, is do you think you go to certain places because of the coffee or you, you don't go to certain places because of the coffee? Or? Oh look, I at the beginning when when the whole shutdown thing was starting, I remember going online specifically to buy a percolator. Because I thought if I'm <laughs> gonna be staying at home <laughs> I'm gonna make my own coffee, I need a percolator. See, as much as I'm snobby about my whiskey, I'm such a pleb with coffee because I'm <laughs> drinking Macona freeze dried, and I'm, you know, I feel comfortable with that. Maybe Peter now, yeah, maybe, yeah, he'll bad. never, he'll never I'm talk to me again. Head, that's not good at all. <laughs> we well, see journalists. Journalists are all about cigarettes and coffee and beer and things right. like that. Um, 
Well, well cigarettes I, I, is another think... one, though, Peter, isn't it? Because you have. Um, yep. I used to very when I was much much younger. I used to smoke a pipe, and mm. the pleasure of an imported, you know, boutique um, tobacco in a smoked pipe is is quite a good pleasure. Yeah, uh, and I I would be probably right. still doing it if it wasn't for the possibility of all the different cancers that come from it. Um, yeah, but isn't there? Isn't it true that there there's a sort of a a snobbishness in some people about um, cigarettes and cigars and things like that? Well, it's in every it's everything. It doesn't matter whether it's coffee or tea uh, or cigarettes or scotch or rum or cameras. There's a snobbishness about everything. My point about the cameras before was there is a certain class of person who will only use a Leica camera, right? Okay. Um, despite yep. the fact that they're not as sophisticated now as, but they will use them purely because to own a Leica is considered to be, you know, prestigious. You want to be seen. And the great photographers have pretty much all used Leicas and right, okay, and so on and so forth. Um, Whereas I've been noticing, Peter, some of your own photography going up online, and you're using a phone. Look, one of the great discoveries of my life is how brilliant iPhones are at uh, smartphones are yes. for photography. You just point, you frame, and you shoot, and it's incredible. Uh, the, 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 and it's a little bit frightening, actually. And yes. I think you know. We don't want to go down a, a, the path of a discussion about photography, but I think everything is changing there. But the, the point is, I think, that it doesn't matter what your poison is. You know, the key is um, prudence and moderation. So if you like ice cream, I know a parish priest here in Sydney. I'm not going to name him. His weakness <laughs> is ice cream. Right. <laughs> Lovely guy. His weakness is ice cream. Yeah. I can take or leave ice cream. Um, you, sorry, you kidding, right? No, he's he's no. It's um, no. I mean, you you, you, him, you could you, take or leave ice cream. Yeah, I can take it or leave it. I mean, if, I like if it. If ice but cream I don't... didn't endanger my heart severely, I would literally live <laughs> off it. No, no, no. I could, I could take it or leave it. Uh, oh. and, and lots of lots of other things too. Lots of other things too. But wow, you know, we're all we're all the same. Um, oh no! But let's it's try something here. You know, let's try the the cheese thing, um, Peter. I might have mentioned in a previous episode that when we were shut down, just our family were shut down by mm. the ill health of my son. We decided to do something with our time being shut in, and we actually took on a, a cheese challenge. Now I don't know if anyone's heard of the Monty Python cheese skit, the one where John Cleese walks into a cheese shop and lists off. Uh, you know, a long list of cheeses as part of the skit, and we decided to eat our way through that list of the cheese shop. <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> so we, we're still going through because some of them I, I'm not even sure if they exist. I, I get the feeling they might have been local cheeses to that time and have long since gone on. But we I tried. You were looking healthy. Well, we tried so many cheeses that we would have never looked at. I mean, some of them mm. I looked at and thought, "Goodness gracious me, what am I doing here?" But we've discovered whole new experiences and some cheeses that we've discovered you can't get in your ordinary shops and yet we've mm. just developed a taste for them and we've one of the cheeses that we just we tried a friend of ours who was in oxford at the time heard about this this little hobby we had and he ordered cheese to be sent to us and it was it was sent from australia but he had it online he sent it to our door as a present and we just had a, like a, a cheese turn up in a refrigerated bag wow. <laughs> come to our door. It was the most bizarre experience. So we don't usually that do this. That is one really good friend you've got. Yes. And, and we I learned, like that. And when we discovered new cheeses, it was fantastic. There's a place near Notre Dame 
down uh, the little alley that is called Spice Alley, uh, right ah, at yes. the end. And they have these cheese platters and they have oh. the different cheeses. And I remember a group of my friends and I, when we were doing research, we went there and I tried this thing called truffle brie. Oh, and yummy. it is now my most favorite cheese. <laughs> <laughs> we, my, my daughter loves to have the chili cheeses where they take what's otherwise like an exquisitely different cheese like, like the brie's or the or um the the fruit cheeses and just lace it with chili, which I think is a bit of a waste because you're you're just basically scorching your taste buds at the, when you're supposed to be enjoying it. <laughs> I've gotten into the blue Stilton, the the crumbly blue Stilton, uh, which is a really yummy uh, thing. And also, I would have never picked um some of the cheeses that we've had, uh, such as Red Leicester. I just wouldn't have gone near it. And now I'm again really appreciate it. The cheese I want to try is called Winsleydale. Oh, I've it's had that. From, it's from the Wallace, uh, Wallace yes. and Gromit. Yes, Wallace movies. and Gromit. It's good as me. Fancy We've some the cheese, crackers, Gromit. Gromit. <laughs> <laughs> My kids love this. Wensleydale. And when we had the Wensleydale in the house, it was um, it was with, I think they threw cranberries into it. So oh, it was okay. Wensleydale okay. with cranberries through it. Now, there was another cheese, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, that that a friend of ours actually had to make because it's a combination of two different cheeses and another ingredient, and he had to make it up himself. This is the same friend from Oxford who mm. made it up himself and and brought it round to us. There's a it, that list has got a lot of fun. By the way, that list is on my blog. I should put the um the link in the podcast thing, but it's we're still working through it. And if you happen to know <laughs> the identity of the cheeses we're missing, I'd love to hear from you. Let's move on from the the cheese thing. I love olives and anchovies on my pizza and some people think i'm nuts for that i know there's nothing like a good olive uh, not just on pizza but in a salad or something like that you're now uh, you're getting me interested now (laughs) we're beginning to find common ground in a few things right a little bit box what where are you with the olives I've got to say I love olives. Um, I, I think I became a big fan when I used to drink uh, a lot of the heavier alcohols. Right. I used to have olive on the side. And um, I got to the point, you know, the liquid that comes in the olive jars and things like that. I used to yes. put yeah. a bit of chili in there as well to have some spicy Ooh. olives. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we used to make our own olives. Yeah. Ah. We, we, we had olive trees them? at home. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, we, we used to have olive trees at home <laughs> in Western Australia and we would pick them every year. Right. And a friend, um, olives are a big thing in Western Australia because in the streets of uh, Perth, there are some suburbs which are just olive trees everywhere and they're actually planted by Spanish Benedictine monks. Right. And um, we had olive trees in our garden and we would pick them and a friend taught us how to um, to uh, pickle them, if that's the word. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's brine, you know, salt brine and water them, yep. and everything. Brine them. And um, they were great, you know. Um well, I have to say, when I spent time in South Australia, that that happened a fair bit too. There was a lot of growers around there, and you find a lot of uh, fruit and and savoury stuff, which is preserved in all kinds of inventive ways. Uh, when we went up to Handorf, there was mm. fairly amazing sausages. Just uh, I don't know if we'll get it through the census, but there was this one sausage called a bum burner, um, which <laughs> which <were> just <laughs> it was so hot. That you just the knew you were going to have reels. an unpleasant experience <laughs> at the other end of it, and 
the level of salamis and meats and all the finer things from the deli, um, really, really good experiences, just even if you just mm. have them once, partially mm. because it breaks us out of the, the um, drudgery of, a, of habitual eating. Some of my favourite dishes now mm. are ones which uh, a good friend, Matthew Tan, who's appeared on this podcast, will sometimes drag me off to a, a shop and say, you know, to a restaurant and go, you've got to try this. I mean, I had never tried laxa. And I never would have given the look of it than in the bowl that he served it to me in. <laughs> but, Peter, um, it's not laxa. It's not laxa. It's uh-oh. laxa. <laughs> laxa. <laughs> well, I know that the shops he takes me to, I can't speak, like he speaks to the waiters because I can't. Oh, yeah. I don't have blame. Yeah. And so the stuff that turns up, I think, okay, <laughs> this is a fantastic experience. Part of, let's yeah. get back to the Catholic side of this uh, before we go into the next stage of uh, finer things. It seems a little bit indulgent, and uh, some people have said, "How can you justify spending, you know, this sort of money when there are people in need?" And you go, Fair enough. If if all I did was buy, you know, the best brand of everything, the best food and everything, and I picked out on these things, yeah, fair enough. But to enjoy a small treat, to have to reserve uh, a simple pleasure of something very nice, um, and my man, I've talked about whiskey. I, I'm the worst drinker that I'm aware of. Um, my wife calls me a, a bad drinker. That's because I, I can't actually get around to drinking. I get myself <laughs> out of glass, you know, two nights a week and say I'm going to have a drink and then forget to pour it on most weeks. And about every second week I remember to pour one of the drinks and about every other time that I pour it I forget to drink it. So it's not, <laughs> like, I'm, it's not like I'm doing much drinking. Peter, you are a very – Complex personality. I think. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, if, if they're uh, particularly men out there listening to this podcast, and they're, they're saying, "There's this guy who likes whiskey, and he puts a glass out, and he doesn't <laughs> open the bottle and pour a scotch." There's something wrong going on there. Well, this brings me to the next pleasure, then, Peter, because usually what distracts me is reading. Because I'll I'll get it. I'll think uh, I'm going to have a glass and I'll read a book. And I put the glass right, out. You've, hit, you, you've, you, you've got me there. You and I open up my, a book. Um, and just because I saw the trailer for the new Dune movie, I've been inspired to reread Dune recently. So mm. I've had I had my whiskey glass out last night. It was sitting beside me, and I opened up Dune, and I'm reading through the chapters. And then You're an I'm amazing with- set of novels. They <laughs> are a really amazing <laughs> set of novels. They're all sorts of. I read them when I was in secondary school, and. Um, there are all sorts of references, very, very clever, and it's very psychological. And, right, yep. Um, it's quite fascinating. Very um, interesting writing style. So anyway, leaving that aside, mm. the experience of a great book, a well-written book, can mm. can be just as exquisite. And I think yes. we were mentioning before we came on air, um, Ryan, experiences such as fine art, mm. um, going to a museum, seeing, I mean, you've just received a book of William, is it William Bougeroux? Is that Bougeroux, how you pronounce yeah. it? Um, fantastic so. art. Now he's is, is that the painter who paints the angels and our lady. Yes, and, uh, he's amazing artist. Yeah. yeah, yeah, amazing yeah. artist. And just just w- looking at what well, I have a print on our wall at home, and just looking at one piece of art can be that moment if you have time to spare. And that's for me. I only ever get a chance to read a couple of pages of a book, but that experience is exquisite, and that pleasure mm. is something I, I dangle in front of myself through the day as the carrot that drags me through the day. That's that's kind of the point, but it's not just a reward. A rare fine experience is a reminder of the pleasures to which God calls us. Now, 
Pope Francis actually said something about this recently. I don't know if you heard it, Peter, but Pope Francis came out and said, pleasure itself comes from God, and therefore, a mm. fine food or even sexual pleasure, all of these come from God, and in yep. fact, they're, they're proper to enjoy. They are absolutely proper for us to enjoy. Exactly. And I'm really glad you raised that because I think, you know, I'm not a theologian or anything like that, but I mean, the key to this is, you know, what is the Christian attitude towards pleasure? And um, and there's nothing in Christianity that says we can't enjoy pleasure. And, and God has put things, good things, which we enjoy there. He, don't, he didn't put them there for us to look at. And I think a really good example um, of what we're talking about is uh, John Paul Saint John Paul II's theology of the body? Yes, um, and as I think a lot of people who are listening to this podcast would be aware, you know, Christianity has had a kind of a funny track record in relation to things to do issues to do with sexuality. Yep, you and, have the Christian prudery, morality of certain relationships, and including marital love. But um, as uh, George Weigel, who was a, a biographer of uh, St. John Paul II, pointed out, um, that there has survived in Christianity this long, in, in relation to this subject of sex and marriage and so on, a certain kind of what you might describe as a Manichaean heresy. The, the, yeah. the Manichaean heresy, as I understand it originally, was a condemnation of physicality and matter and an elevation of the spiritual. Yeah, so, so, so what is physical and enjoyable is a bad thing. It's the flesh leading you away from spiritual things. Whereas, well, I think it was the Manichaeans who said that even the creation of new life, which of course depended on the spousal relationship between two individuals, hmm. was an act of evil. Wow. Um, uh, it was they were very extreme. And you know, I was saying to someone before I came into the podcast uh, today, like, how could you attract anyone to that <laughs> yes. kind of, you know, that only very strange people, I think, would go there. But the point is that John Paul II, the bit that people focus on is, of his thinking is the theology of the body, and it's a really deep analysis of um, the human person, what it means to say we're made in the image and likeness of God. But it's a very frank discussion yep. about human sexuality and, and sexual intercourse and spousal love and all the rest of it. And at no point, you know, this is God has created this us this way to enjoy this experience. The whole point, the whole Christian point uh, view, I think, can easily be summed up as saying that we we enjoy these things according to the purposes for which they were created, and we must, mm. you know, certainly in relation to food and alcohol and all the rest of it. There's nothing to stop you enjoying those at all. There's nothing immoral in proper but you moderation. You must enjoy them in moderation. Yeah. and you know. And we always and if you enjoy them, but you don't love the poor and do something to help the poor and the disadvantaged, and the sad and the depressed and the lonely, then I think you've got a problem because you you you're, you run the risk of satisfying your appetites and desires. Yes, yes. But not we're meant to look outwards beyond ourselves. This but is a what genuine joy in done. these things, Peter, is is one that's shared. So the the mm. thing that I enjoy exactly. most about these finer things is inviting people to say, you've got to come and try some of this. You've got to, and then swapping the idea. In fact, I got into uh, most of the things that I eat now because somebody said, hey, have you tried some of this? Hey, and, and mm. sharing a new experience, sharing a joyful experience is part of sharing the gospel in that sense. Mm. Um, if I can come back to the theology of the body, John Paul II 
is often mistakenly presumed to be all about sex, all about the relationship with marriage, no, but he's, no, he's no, about no, being not, in a no. body. It's a theology of the body, yes. and part of yep. being a body is to enjoy all of the elements of being a body, and part of that is eating and, and reading and, you know, tantalizing all the different parts of us, like our brains in reading or perhaps watching a fine fine movie that we really love doing or fine art. Um, Ryan and I enjoy a fine video game and, uh, <laughs> and the classic every experiences in particular every now and again. The rare fine experiences really lift us out into our in our humanity and draw us into something that's more than just the drudgery of life. Because mm. if we're only just machines like ants that wander on to work and come home again, and if there's nothing about pleasure that should be good for us, then we might as well just serve up tasteless gruel with the necessary minerals in it, if you like. It's a kind of a, it's a very bland and yuck experience, I think, if, if we mm. have that view of humanity. I thought that we weren't going to bring up McDonald's in this podcast. <laughs> oh! <laughs> no, I, I'm ruling McDonald's out of, the, uh, out of the finer things. That's not allowed. Sorry, go on, I think this is I think this is actually a very important discussion to have because I think that you, there is a common misconception about Christianity out there in our society in our world. I think it's become very powerful again in in uh, the time in which we live. And there is a view of Christianity that's that is that essentially Christians are fearful of uh, pleasure. Yes, that they are repressive. Um, that Christianity is about repressing your deepest natural inclinations, whatever mm -hmm. they may be. No fun. You know, I guess no fun. And, and I think now, I think that what people have fixed in their minds, you know, is what I would tend to call Puritanism. Yes. Now, that may be a very unfair description on my part towards the original Puritans, who I think were called Puritans precisely because they wanted to find the pure form of Christianity, the love of the gospel, the 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 the, yep. the, the will of God. But but what is commonly understood by Puritanism is like dour Scots Presbyterian. You <laughs> must cease your feckless ways, <laughs> sinful beggars. That's what people think Christianity is. Yes, yes. And they have no i they have no concept. Yep. That Christianity is, is what Chesterton described, G.K. Chesterton, the famous English author yep. and essayist yep. and convert to the Catholic faith. You know, he said Christianity is like a um is like a drunk man <laughs> wandering home after a night at the pub. Right. You know, he's always threatening to fall over, always reeling about <laughs> the place. But he never quite falls over. And, Speaking and of G.K. Chesterton, by the way. Sorry, go on, yeah. Peter. No, well, that Christian, the, the 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 what the the Christianity of G.K. Chesterton, and all of that whole movement of writers and artists and historians and intellectuals and figures of the of the first half of the twentieth century, which saw enormous numbers of people converting to the church, that Chris, Christianity was alive. It was charged with joy, and it was charged with the idea that creation and life are really when you look. Beneath the surface, they're an adventure. Yes, it's wild. It's dramatic, and 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 so that's that that I think is why this discussion is important because Christianity is about certainly about self control, but it's not about repression. Uh, speaking of G.K. Chesterton, he has one of the best uh, little short essays on cheese that I've ever read. Uh, his essay on cheese turns 
the experience of eating cheese into a discussion about communism and capitalism. Um, it's a he, he very, was, very in, intriguing fellow. He was amazing. If anyone hasn't read Chesterton, you've got to go out and read his essays. They're phenomenally good. One of the other, that's one of my simple pleasures, in fact, reading a little book called In Defense of Sanity, which is, I think, yeah. Orquist's some, uh, gathering of his best essays. And they're only a couple of pages and they're beautiful to read in a quick time. One last thing is to, I'd like to say is that the pleasures, some of the pleasures are seasonal. So, for example, enjoying a summer, a summer evening walk or a winter's, um, mm. winter's day or something like that. And those, the, even food pleasures can be seasonal. In fact, one of my absolute favorite foods, and I'm, I'm salivating now just thinking about it, is the golden clingstone peach. So when you buy one of those golden clingstone peaches from the from the you can't even get them from supermarkets these days you get them from a market or something. Um, peaches are beautiful. Oh, but they're specifically the golden clingstone ones, which are usually used in the canned peaches that you get. Uh, you you can't generally get them fresh much anymore, and so you, there's about two or three weeks a year where they're available, and it's only those two or three weeks a year. And I I look forward to it every year, and the the pleasure is so rare and 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 sort of tantalizing that it teaches me that the whole the idea of delayed gratification, the whole idea of having to wait for something and then getting the pleasure mm. rather than just getting it instantly all the time, anytime I like it, is a very mm. good lesson in life. I, I think the, uh, you know, the idea that because we enjoy something, we should be at it, uh, you know, trying to consume scotch endlessly. I mean, that's the problem, you know, you, yes. you love scotch, you become an alcoholic. A certain producer of a podcast is shaking his head glaring <laughs> at me because he loves his scotch too. I happen to know that. But, um, well, it takes me four years to get through a bottle, um, Peter. So, I, mind you, I have four, four bottles. Four years to get through a bottle. Yeah, I have four bottles going at once, but it does take me four years to get through them, the one bottle. So, cause I'm, That's I'm, like a Formula One racing car travelling at five kilometres an hour. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just, you're, you are strange. <laughs> You're a strange guy. I'm sorry. I'm just going to come out and put it out there, you know. I mean, um, it's an exquisite but, um, taste and I enjoy it thoroughly when I get there, but I don't I don't uh, indulge. Better wrap it up. That's it for this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking or arguing with your podcast device, let us know. You can subscribe to the podcast at thiscatholiclife.com.au or drop us a line on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or Discord. Remember to write us a review, especially on iTunes if you're on that. Remember that this is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast and we think that's worth getting behind. So tell your friends. Before we go, it's time for a shout out. Ryan. I hope you don't uh, <laughs> blame me for this one. I'd written it out before. I hope it's not taking yours, Peter. But uh, to all those people that introduced me to those new experiences in my life, thank you very much. Um, thank you. <laughs> Good stuff. Peter. Mm-hmm. Oh, this one's very easy. Uh, my shout out is to all those guys out there who enjoy drinking bottles of scotch and I would just say when you get the bottle of scotch out of the cupboard or wherever you keep it open the bottle (laughs) pour the scotch into a glass and then enjoy it because I think there's no point having a bottle of scotch if you're not opening it and pouring it into a glass and enjoying it and, you know, I would simply say that um, that comment is relevant to someone <laughs> sitting not a million sitting not a million miles away from where I am right now. Indeed. Well, my shout-out goes to those the person who got me into whiskey. He knows who he is. 
um, and to those who have shared whiskey with me over the years. So that's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life. Mm-hmm.